Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joy podcast from LGBTQIA plus community radio station Joy 94.9. For more information and tons of other podcasts, head to joy.org.au. First guest uh, with us today. So we have... Um who we got Eve? <laughs> oh, now, now can I can I, I, I just no can I just quickly say, um, people in the audience, or not in the audience here, having cake and coffee and tea. If you'd like to request a song, we're happy to play it. So, uh, Marcus in the blue shirt, sitting by himself, the lonely guy, um, he'll take your request <laughs> and um, and we'll be playing your request uh, if you choose a song. And we are getting. I've got I've got one already lined up to go. So Excellent. Yeah, so just keep them coming, right. and we'll just uh, schedule them in. So. Excellent. But yes, Neil is right. So joining us today on Sunday Arts Magazine, our first guest is Jennifer Valetic, who is a performer in a really interesting new show called The Milf and Mistress at Theatreworks. And um, they're going to be talking to us all about this very unusual subject matter. I've, I've never heard of a show quite like this one, so I'm quite keen to hear. Um, thank you for joining us, Jennifer. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Jennifer, um, the constant tease before we ever get into talking about a production is that we'd like to know a little bit about you. So I'll tell you everything. <laughs> well, okay, great. Uh, David, I feel like you probably have the <laughs> naughtiest questions. <laughs> oh, great. Well, Naughty <laughs> questions. The naughtier, the better. Yes, yes. Well, especially for the play. <laughs> um, no, but it would be great to know, how did you start off in the arts? Like, what was it that gave you a bit of fire to become a performer? Look, I think uh, I think I was probably always a bit of a performer, you know, and as kids we would do plays for our parents, and you know, so that early. Um, but uh, I, I was a drama kid at school and then I went to NIDA and studied at NIDA and graduated in oh, 1984. Oh, look at you. I know, wow. you know what the letters stand for? Mm. Now I do acting. <laughs> <laughs> and did it, did it change your world, though? You know, NIDA? Yeah. Because oh, it was, oh, utterly, back then yeah. it would have been really powerful, wouldn't it? It was incredibly It was at the top of its powers, really. And, you know, we were in the old huts, not the new kind of fancy schmancy building. Yeah. And, you know, there was still the hole in the wall that Mel Gibson had punched oh, during a, an improv class, you know. So yeah. it, was, it was that kind of thing. And did you go through with anyone that's now famous, apart Only from myself, yourself? yeah. Thank you for picking <laughs> that up. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, oddly enough, I mean, there are still quite a few people who are working. Um, there were some people who became more famous. You were know I'm sure uh, Timothy Conagrave from Holding the Man yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Timothy became posthumously famous through the writing of his book and then the play and then the film that that eventuated from that and Victoria Longley also who um, both of them have sadly passed away way too early in their lives yeah, but yeah, yeah. They're, they're probably our best known alumni right. I would say yeah and uh, yeah like so what what's it done for you do you reflect on uh, you know like that what you would train there or have you just thought nah been oh, no, there, done that. oh no no it becomes a part of you it's drummed into you you know it's literally it's 
Glenda Linscott, who you may or may not know, um, I think she's still the head of the acting course at WAPA, used to say, it takes you three years to finish NIDA and ten years to recover. <laughs> and I think, I think there's something in that. But it does, I mean, it gave me, gave all of us the most amazing template for, for technique, for exploration of, you know, ideas and, and uh, improvisation. And, yeah, it was an incredible, an incredible mm. beginning. Okay, and you know, like, start telling us about this play. Because uh-huh. uh, Eden needs to know everything. Well, uh, what can I tell you? It's What's it story, called again? It's called Milf and the Mistress. Now, uh-huh. it was billed at the Milf, as the Milf and Mistress. Milf and the Mistress. Um, and um, <laughs> I had occasion to go back to Perth just a, f- a few days ago, um, and I ended up performing it for my 97-year-old mother oh. in her aged care home. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's quite racy material, but she did pretty well on it. Right. Yeah, she, <laughs> she said, look, you know, I, I, it's very, very good. I'm not sure everyone will like it, but it's very, very good. <laughs> so it is controversial. Yeah. Uh, and it's um, already open. We uh, opened uh, two nights ago. Two nights ago. And, and what's the reaction been like so far? Oh, look, I, I have to say, it's been phenomenal. Um, and we've just had a brilliant review from Cameron Woodhead, um, who is a, a review of some notes, so I think we're all feeling pretty pleased with ourselves, given the given the um, <laughs> the infractions on our rehearsal time for various reasons. But it's really come together, and audiences, the two we've had so far, are just absolutely so loving it. Right. You know? Okay. So yeah, give us a, a rough idea. You know, like the word mistress, and all of a sudden we think, oh, racy. Oh, you know, like well, you're um, absolutely whips right. And chains and. Whips, chains, the whole lot, you can imagine. But nothing, uh, everything very abstract and suggested. And, you know, we're doing doing this. We've got an amazing team. So Di Toulson, first-time director. Uh, Jane Montgomery-Griffiths, of course, has written the piece. Um, We have amazing sound by Millie Levakis-Lucas. And David Nelson has done a lot of the uh, the visual effects, so lots of slides and so on, which bring alive the world of the BDSM dungeon. And, uh, And then there's... Nicholas Pajanti's lighting, which is incredibly atmospheric, so it's it's all suggested and um, you know kind of uh, uh, symbolic, I suppose, mm. you know. But I do get my gear off. So. <laughs> well, great, that'll sell some tickets already, <laughs> <laughs> or, or uh, alternately turn people away in their thousands. Who knows? <laughs> I don't imagine so. Like what I find really interesting reading about this show, which I would be quite keen to see as well, is that it's been described as a coming of age story with a twist and. Mm. What's really interesting is that it's talking about older women Mm. and the level of invisibility that society sort of pushes upon them as they get older, in particular in relation to desires and sexuality. Absolutely. It sounds really fascinating. Can you tell us a little bit about the story? I can, without giving too many things away. It's the it's the odyssey of Ali. Ali is the central character. Uh, I was going to say the only character you'll meet on stage, but she's not. You meet several other characters through her descriptions. But she has been in a beautiful marriage with a beautiful partner for many, many years. Well, a partnership for many years, only two of marriage. They have children, um, but the shine is wearing off. Uh, the joy has vanished. And she has long fantasized 
about the BDSM world. And this is her moment. This is the moment where she enters that world. And I can't tell you too much more or I'll have to kill you. But, um, <laughs> but suffice it to say, you are drawn into that world as well. And so you see, you see Ali's kind of wrestling with her domestic life, her very vanilla domestic life, and this other dark underworld that she's mm. investigating, which is really bringing out something completely enlivening for her. And what, what was it like when all of a sudden you, you, know, like you were looking at being part of this? Did you jump at an opportunity to be in a, in a play like this? Because you know, I, I think it would be fascinating, wouldn't it, for an actor? Oh, I, I absolutely did. Um, Jane actually rang me. Jane and I have kind of uh, past it, you know, crossed each other's paths so many times and we, we keep lamenting the fact that we haven't actually worked together. And she rang me, I was in Brisbane doing a show called Holding Achilles and she rang me and said, look, I've written this play with you in mind. Are you interested? And I went, um, let me think, yes. <laughs> right, like right now, instantly, yes, I'm saying yes. And so then the play was sent to me in due course and um, I read it and got very excited about it and, and here we are. Right. And this yeah. show is part of Midsummer as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I find interesting about uh, the idea of, like, you know, older women not being seen is in your copy it suggests that that's related to the heterosexuality of men and women, the mm -hmm. idea that, you know, a man's attracted... Uh, sorry, uh, being attracted to a woman is what gives her um, currency. Yes. But this is a lesbian story as that's well. That's right, yes. So how, how does... Um, the sort of het heterosexual viewpoint of women erase lesbians from that sort of... Um well, lesbians are in and of themselves, by their very nature, erased in the heterosexual male point of view. They're not currency mm. for those men, you know. So they, they never existed in a way, except in a kind of fantasy land where the guys can join in. You know, it's that... It's that Absolute cliche. <laughs> yeah. But the, the fascinating thing about the audiences we've had so far, and the great thing about the intimacy of the show, is that people will come up to you afterwards and tell you how much they loved it, and then share things like, I'm a straight man, but this story meant so much to me. I can relate to it, you know, or I'm, I'm um, a straight woman, or I'm a, or I'm a gay woman, or a gay man, and I've been in the BDSM scene, and so th I understand the notion of how that enlivens and enriches you. So, you know, you get these really diverse responses and already in two nights several people have said this is a play with a story for everyone. Um, so it does deal very very uh, directly with that elision of women from, from the visibility field um, once they reach, reach a certain age. Um, and it also, as Cameron pointed out today, it also then restores that woman to centre stage through the very process of bringing this play to light and this story to light, which was Jane's, you know, first notion, really. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. And is, is there talk that it will move on? Look, Di, Di would love to tour it. I mean, it's a cheap tour. There's only me and a few, you know, a few ropes um, and a couple of curtains. So we could tour anywhere, really. Um, so hopefully, yeah. But, you know, I, I think it's going to enjoy a very healthy season here at Midsummer, which is, which is very exciting. Yeah. And I'm also very excited that 
uh, it's it's attracting a, a, a very very diverse crowd. Yeah, which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, and isn't isn't it amazing what um, theatre works are, are doing as oh. well? Look, Di was always ahead of the game. You know, when COVID hit our shores, she was the first person to motivate and create those perspex. I don't know if you went at that time, but yep. create the perspex yep. uh, rooms in which people could safely sit in their bubble and see theatre. She was the first one, and I just thought that was so brave and you know gung ho and classic Di, of course. You know, she's she's. A bit of a wonder woman, uh, a, a woman of many hats, I would say. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. And so it's pl- a playing now until when? Playing now until February the 4th. We have two shows on the final Saturday uh-huh. and it's running Monday through Saturday next week. Right. Are you, how, do, how do you cope two shows in one day? You know, like, are, are you drained? <laughs> Oh, dull, so drained. Um, I mean, honestly, sometimes it's like, uh, look, my favourite thing is putting my legs up a wall. I know that sounds like a BDSM thing, um, but actually that's it's life-affirming between shows. But you just get used to I've been doing, any of us who've been in the industry for a while are used to, and especially if you've done commercial musicals, you do shows back-to-back. Yeah. Sometimes you'd have a five-show weekend, mm, a Friday, whoa, two on a Saturday, whoa, two on a Sunday, and whoa. you would literally be legless by the end of it. Um, but you just find a way of finding your rhythm you know but it also is it's the kind of show and I felt it last night you know what opening nights are like you're 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 buzzed you're you know and then by the time you wake up the next morning you're absolutely exhausted adrenaline drained but you get up on stage as I did last night going I don't know what this is going to be like and it's just exhilarating because that beautiful audience is right there with you going tell us more just one last question, though. Um, being on stage by yourself, is that hard sometimes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend joke at me last night because I was talking about another project that I'm involved in, which is myself and a concert pianist, which is coming up in the middle of the year. And he said, so do you ever actually act with anyone else on stage? <laughs> I said, how dare you? <laughs> um, of course I do. Um, and and there is a singular joy in being the singular actor once you're in the centre of it. And it is, by the same token, terrifying because there is just you. And as another friend of mine mentioned, there's nowhere to hide, you know. Mm. Not even the Perspex curtains. You can't hide by <laughs> there. Everyone can see you, you know. So, yeah. Brilliant. And what's it called again? Milf and the Mistress. And it's playing? It's playing at the Explosives Factory in 67 Inkerman Street. And that, I have to tell everyone, it's a back lane you have to travel down. Which is um, perfect, isn't it? Isn't it, though? How appropriate. (laughs) Between Lyle and Market Street. So anyone who's looking for it on the main drag on Inkerman Street, forget that. Just walk down one of those streets and you'll find us there. And there's a bit of music post-show, is that right? There is a bit of music post-show most nights, yeah. And a very convivial bar atmosphere and um, some, some lovely drinks to be had and yeah it's a it's a fun night out mm. great see well, you then yeah <laughs> oh, i really hope you come yeah uh, thank you so much we've been talking to jennifer willertick here on joy 94.9 thanks for listening to another joy podcast brought to you by australia's lgbtqia plus community radio station joy 94.9 for more podcasts or to support joy by becoming a member donating or subscribing head to joy.org.au This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.